This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is sponsored by Herbie. Their motto is relaxed by nature. They started Herbie because they saw firsthand how CBD could help improve their own quality of sleep and response due to stress. Looking around, they saw that many companies were creating CBD products with a lot of artificial ingredients, and they wanted to provide an alternative that only used clean ingredients at a reasonable price. They gravitated towards CBD, CBG, and CBN as powerful cannabinoids for stress relief, pain relief, and improved sleep. Since 2020, they've developed a line of tinctures, gummies, topicals, and concentrates that are unique and effective. They have their newest addition, which is a 2,000 milligram full-spectrum CBD pain balm. This is my absolute favorite. Whether I am stressed, I have pain or pressure, or just that built-up issues within my body. It goes on so smooth as the cream has a little bit of menthol in it and it is amazing. I use it for all of my medical migraines. I use it for knee pain and I love putting just a little bit on my temples just to relax for sleep. They also have tinctures and gummies that come with calming CBD, balanced CBG, and sleep CBN formulas that are all natural and extremely effective. Make sure you order today on their website at www.helloherbie.com. And for today's listeners, make sure to use code TABITHA for 20% off of your order today. Welcome to the Little Bit of Life podcast. I'm your host, Little, better known as Tabitha. A lot of you may know me from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and the occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join me on these topics that have impacted me along the way. Very little is off limits. Tune in on your favorite streaming platform and be a part of the interview with videos on the Little Bit of Life podcast YouTube channel. Let's dive into these topics together, one voice, one story at a time. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life podcast, right here with your host, Little. Today, I have a guest with me. She's amazing. She is a riot on social media. Her name is Lauren Ashley. She does it all. She's a police wife. She has ADHD. She is momming, and guess what? On her social media, it says, if snarky humor isn't for you, then neither am I. I followed Lauren quite a few years ago, and we just kind of came across each other on Instagram. We follow each other. And I love how she discusses, just like we do here on this podcast, about mental health. But she is also discussing what it means to be a police wife, a Blue Line family member, and what it means to deal with ADHD, ADD, especially being a mom, running a business, and doing it all. When we talk about ADD, it's something that used to be frowned upon. It used to be something that in school we had to focus. We were in different classes. We had different testing. But what does it mean with ADHD, which is inattentive, in regards to being an adult? What does it look like? And how do you find the means of balance in being a mother, in being a wife, in just being a regular female or male in society, dealing with ADHD and finding what works best for you and what doesn't? We're diving into this topic that so many frown upon, and it's something that we need to dive in and talk about something of what we seem to think, but don't say, in regards to ADHD, being a police wife, blue line family, and keeping our sanity along the way. 
Hey guys, and welcome into another episode of Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. I have an amazing mom. She's an LEO wife. She's kind of everything in, mixed into one. She's that calm, cool, and collected, I always say, with just a little hint of chaos. And what kind of household would not have that unless you are a mom? You are the biggest supporter of your spouse in a world that is hectic, let's be real. And she's also very vocal on her Instagram of having ADHD, figuring out what works as a mom, as a spouse, and kind of how to deal with that. So I want to welcome in Lauren. How are you today? Hey, good. I'm good. I am just taking a break, doing this with you while my kids nap, and yeah, glad to be here. You're like, I hope they stay asleep. I hope everything goes smooth. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, Praying to everything good and holy. (laughs) (laughs) I have to thank you so much for being open and vulnerable and allowing so many people on social media to access your hectic life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. You are always one that is so uplifting, even when you're just having a bad day. You're always allowing people to understand that, you know what, maybe if your kitchen counter is a mess or if you have toys all over the place, scoot it to the side and just don't worry about it. Just do what makes you happy. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, That's always my goal. Both like, so when I started my photography business, I wanted people to say, the person that I followed on Instagram is the person that met me in, in real life for my session. And so that's kind of where the authenticity started. Um, I was really open about my like journey through healing from eating disorders and people just kind of loved it. And it was never something that started out as like a, Hey, look at me. Like I'm not, I'm, I hate being the center of attention in real life. So um, it was never like that. It was just kind of me just honestly just word vomiting my thoughts. And then people were like, Oh my gosh, me too. And, um, so then I realized, you know, like Brene Brown, she talks a lot about empathy and vulnerability and things like that. And I was like, man, if no matter how scary this vulnerability might be, like, I'm sure somebody's going to have something to say about it. But if one person says something negative and two people say something positive, then for me, that scary moment of vulnerability was worth it. Um, and I don't ever want to, to be the kind of person who, like people look at my Instagram and think, oh, like I wish I had her life or I wish I had it all together like her because like girlfriend, I do not have it all together <laughs> at all. And not saying that people compare themselves to me, but I just don't ever want to find myself in that position where I'm projecting this, um, like this, I don't know, image that is so curated that you look at somebody's Instagram, and you're like, ah, like whatever, I could never do that, you know? So that's where it all kind of comes from for me is just like, hey, you're not alone in this world that I'm sure feels like you are very alone. Maybe it's just something that with social media being so accessible to all of us um, and we have that downtime, I feel like it's our just go-to of, hey, let me scroll Instagram or let me get on this site or this platform. And I feel that as women, it's now Mm -hmm. more than ever, we're having to compare ourselves to others. And it's not just the physical appearance anymore. It's like you said, you know, do I have my household together? Are my kids acting what society Mm -hmm. thinks is perfection? Am I the perfect wife, the perfect mom? So I love having guests on that are open mm-hmm. to say like, hey, I don't have it all together. I have no clue what I'm doing, you know, in the next hour. You just figure it out <laughs> as you go. So being with under a microscope of everything going on right now, especially in society, 
what is it like to not only be a mom, but also be an LEO for those listening, a law enforcement officer's spouse? How does that affect kind of your idea of mm-hmm. perfection, but also defending your partner, defending the job, but like still trying to keep it all together? Yeah, well, I will say, um, so for added context, I have two kids that are 13 and a half months apart. Um, and the people who know me in real life, like think the way my life has turned out is hysterical. Like I have chickens, I live on acreage, like my nickname in high school was Barbie. <laughs> and that was given to me by my track coach, who's actually still in my life. I, I just love him. He came to our wedding. Um, and people will be like, Oh, my gosh, that's so rude. And I'm like, No, I earned that. Like, it was for sure. Like, I was the girl who wore like high heels to high school. Like, it, that's who I was. And so, you know, then I met my husband and everybody was like, because if you see him, you're like, are you a veteran? I'm not sure. Like, are you from Texas? I'm not sure. Like, we always give him shit. He's just like a walking, talking stereotype. Um, And then we ended up getting married. And really early on in our relationship, well, so he had actually just completed his um, initial application for our county that we live in is called Clark, Clark County. And he had finished um, his application when we had met for um, the Clark County Sheriff's Office in the in the jail. And um, so I've never known a time with Patrick where he wasn't involved in law enforcement somehow. And even before law enforcement, his job during like the application process was as a private security uh, patrol sergeant. So it was always somehow, you know, law enforcement related. Um, so. I think that's given me a leg up from maybe some other uh, law enforcement wives whose husbands had like, you know, quote unquote, normal jobs before they got into that. And then they were thrown into this like, whoa, like, I didn't know what I was signing up for. Like, I never agreed to this. You know, I did agree to it. Um, That doesn't make it any easier. But I do think that having that present in our relationship from the very start has been really helpful for us. But um, everything was kind of a whirlwind. Our first three years of marriage were crazy. We had two kids. We bought two houses. We moved like four times. It was absolutely insane. Um, And so my first son was born July of 2020. And at the time, my husband was um, at the police academy to go to the road because the academies are different, right? So you have corrections and then you have patrol and uh, or enforcement or whatever you want to call it. It's, It's different state to state, right? So um. So he was at the academy, which is uh, in a suburb of Seattle. And Seattle was where, like, first of all, the virus outbreak was initially, like the whole COVID-19. That nursing home was actually, like, in Burien, which is where the police academy is. And you'll you'll never convince me that his entire class didn't have COVID in February of 2020 because it just was wildfire there. And then... um, then all of the mm-hmm. stuff broke out. You had CHOP or Chaz or whatever they ended up calling it, where they like took over a whole block of the city and that was all downtown. They had, it was so bad. They had every exit except one back and exit and entrance to the police academy barricaded so that people couldn't get in and figure out what it was because these rioters would gather in Burien at the Safeway or the Fred Meyer or whatever it is, Albertsons, and drive up to Seattle together to like go participate. And they all had like go bags. And so my husband was the president of his academy class. So they were, you know, just constantly having this plan. And here I am like postpartum with this little baby. My husband is gone because his academy date was pushed back two months because of COVID. They sent everybody home for two months. And so Liam, my oldest, was born in July. 
mid-July and Patrick came down on Tuesday for my induction. Liam was born, I think he was born Friday morning, Thursday morning. I don't know. It was a long induction. So I don't know. He was born on the 16th, whatever day of the week that was at the time. (laughs) And, um, and then we went home. So he must've been born Thursday because we went home Friday and then Sunday, Patrick went back up to the academy business as usual. Um, and my mom basically moved in with me until he graduated because I was just alone with this little baby, you know, in this like really scary world where law enforcement was like, I I ended up deleting all my social media because I just couldn't, it was like people I thought were my friends were saying these awful things. And of course they never say it to you, especially with a personality like mine. Like they don't have the balls to say that to my face. Uh, and they know that because I'll punch them in the throat. Like they know that (laughs) I'm I'm that kind of person. I will call you out. Um, you know, not for believing what you believe. I firmly, I firmly believe that, you know, freedom is for everybody and freedom of speech and things like that are especially for people who disagree with you. So it wasn't necessarily that they were disagreeing with me. It was the fact that they were calling us names, wishing ill on my family, um, and things like that. And I'm a fiercely, fiercely loyal person and so that was really really hard for me and it actually took a huge toll on my mental health not just postpartum but that on top of postpartum as well and then my husband literally being gone Monday through Friday um for you know six weeks after Liam was born it was just crazy um it has settled down a little bit in some ways as far as you know the vitriol and the hate on social media and things like that it's kind of died out you know the collective attention span of the nation is like two seconds so um unless something happens you know it's Mm -hmm. not too there's not too much heat but what's scary now is that you've got two things happening in law enforcement now where you know officers are being targeted and like literally murdered at historic rates that we've never seen before um you know somebody will call in a domestic violence call and then ambush the officers when they get there and kill them Um, and that's really scary. That's not like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they know that potentially being shot is going to be part of the job that they're signing up for, but they're not signing up to be ambushed and intentionally gunned down and murdered like that, you know? Um, and then the other thing that happens is, um, people record everything. They record everything that involves the police Mm -hmm. now. And, um, I actually know several people who it was either them or their spouse had this like 10 second recording of them doing their job that was taken out of context and some journalist dug it up or the person who recorded it got like sold it to a news outlet and that person lost everything. Like I have a friend whose husband is facing seven years in prison for assault for a use of force that he was cleared for by three different agencies in 2018 and they've lost everything. Like they have, she lost her job because she didn't take the COVID vaccine. And then he's been on admin leave for two and a half years almost now. So um, it's just crazy. Like it, it, you, it's so, it feels like you don't know mm-hmm. who to trust and it really can feel like the whole world is against you. And if you can't find ways to take care of your mental health, to sign off, you know, to whatever, um, you, you're going to, like, you're not going to survive it. And, uh, Patrick and I have talked a lot about like, people have never liked the police. 
you know it's never like that's where the kind of feud between police officers and firefighters comes from is like the police would be like oh here come the real heroes because everybody loves the firefighters right they save your cat and they pull you from burning buildings police officers have to take your kids away they arrest you for a dui they you know come and deliver uh news that your loved ones are dead that those are the kinds of jobs that police officers Uh have to do so nobody's ever really loved the police right like (laughs) that's not a new reality we have just not seen in our lifetime this level of scrutiny um and honestly just like hypocrisy and people talking about things that they are not educated on um Mm -hmm. and i i just i mean so i'm from portland originally portland oregon (laughs) um i don't live there anymore for a lot of reasons but my whole family is from there and we only live about an hour out so that kind of adds to our reality is we're also like we're kind of sandwiched between portland and seattle which is you know really great area to be um but you know so i have a lot of portland officer friends and things like that but i also have a lot of (laughs) friends who vehemently disagree with me on a lot of things political religious or whatever um that were following me on instagram which was fine like it wasn't an issue before 2020 like nobody cared really Mm -hmm. um that much and then after 2020 it just became like unbearable and i actually that's where the littles and lashes page was born from was just like i knew that those people who were being hateful and rude would not follow me over to littles and lashes when i created that um, and so it was just this space like where I created that second page and kind of I've closed down my photography business now and just moved on to other things. But I did that because it was like, I feel like I don't have a safe space. Like with all these people, like I can't just scroll Instagram because all of these people are in my Instagram bubble that I just can't handle being there anymore. Um, so it is it is a lot, I think, even outside of the um culture around policing now there is so much about living a law enforcement life uh that people just don't understand even the people who are very supportive there's so much they're like well you know we can't celebrate holidays normally (laughs) because there's no guarantee that patrick's gonna have christmas off or you can't trick-or-treat on a different day than halloween so my kids are gonna go trick-or-treating without their dad a lot (laughs) you know Um, we don't go to the mall because a lot of nefarious activity happens at the mall. And we had run into like three violent criminals in a row at the mall one time. And we were like, okay, this is, there's nothing I want at the mall that bad. (laughs) Um, so there's just a lot, like it informs everything you do, your schedule, your childcare. Like I don't work right now because how do you get childcare for a rotating schedule? Like it's what? So we're just going to pay for drop-in daycare and then it's like twice as much money per kid. Like it's just not a feasible thing for us right now. Mm-hmm. So um, I put my career on hold for that and it informs everything you do. And then you add on to that mm-hmm. all of the hatred and all of the vitriol and all of the things people say. And you you just find yourself like you can't not take care of yourself or you won't survive it. I talk a lot on the podcast about mental health awareness and recovering from past trauma, whether you've had an, an excruciating moment you went through in life or maybe simple things um, of just depression, anxiety, um, eating disorders. And I was really grateful that on a platform that 
does come with a 50 50 of people either accept you mm-hmm. or they're on the other spectrum of, you know, they have nothing but evil, just nasty, mean things to say. You've been very open about mm-hmm. being a mom and trying to figure out what your mental health looks like um, with ADHD, with just figuring out your happiness and how to find that. Because I think especially with society now, we're in this roller coaster of flux of where do I fit? Where do I not fit? What am I supposed to do? And we almost feel guilty being mothers of if I'm having a bad day, why am I having this? Like I should be more grateful for what I have, but you're in this moment in your mind of like, how do I pull myself out of this? Have, is that something you've always kind of struggled with since you were younger or is it just more being open and vulnerable and just kind of figuring out who you are? Um, so I actually just very recently finally got, was able to get into a psychiatrist. And so our, the conclusion we kind of came to was I, I've always struggled with anxiety really badly um, ever since I was a small kid. And then I think the ADHD was kind of more adult onset. Either that or my parents just recognized something in me that they may not have known was ADHD. And my mom did a really, really good job of keeping me in routine and, you know, um, setting up systems that were really helpful for me. So I've always struggled with, uh, you know, anxiety and and or potentially ADHD. We're not really 100% sure, have quite sussed it all out yet. But um, it was after I had my kids mm-hmm. that I really realized how many systems my mom had set up for me and how much I relied on them to be quote unquote normal. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say normal cause like what is normal, but mm-hmm. normal for me. Um, and mm-hmm. it was when I had kids and my life was kind of turned upside down as a mom. Um, and I didn't have the time to do the systems. And and that's really what it came down to was like, I didn't have the time and I did not have the energy to do the things that I had always done. Um, you know, I did a lot of things Mm -hmm. like I just cleaned up the kitchen before I went to bed. It was just something I did most nights. I just did the dishes and tidied up the counters. And uh, after I put the kids down Mm -hmm. there, there were nights and there still are nights where I'm like, I can't even see straight. Like I can barely keep my eyes open. Like I'm going to bed but then I wake up to a messy house and I'm already anxious. Um, and so I really do think there is this culture, which I, I kind of feel like it's shifting for moms a little bit where you can't win. You just can't win. If, you know, you breastfeed, it, you know, you get all these opinions about breastfeeding. And then we exclusively formula fed with both boys and you get all these opinions about, bre- you know, breast is best and whatever, all this like other bullshit that people – I don't know what it is about money, kids, and pets that people feel like they have an opinion on in your own life, in your life, even strangers, but they do. Um, like, I don't know why. I've, I've never dreamed of, like, having an opinion on those things in somebody else's life. And um, But I, so it was kind of this balancing of, like, I put a lot of pressure on myself, um, because life wasn't going the way I expected it to, or I thought other people expected it to. Um, and I wasn't able to maintain mm-hmm. the, you know, structures in my life that I, I clearly need. And, and then I felt like a failure. And so for me, I don't know how much you know about the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram one, um, which is the perfectionist or the reformer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of shame for Enneagram ones around being wrong or feeling like you failed. 
Um, because for me in my brain, you know, mm-hmm. being wrong or failure automatically equates to being a bad person in my brain, not for other people, just for me. Mm-hmm. That's what I I'm constantly battling against. Yeah. And so, um, there is a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself, um, as well as the societal pressure and it just all kind of fell apart and it started, um, I was working for the section eight department of the housing authority for our County before I had Liam and they sent us all home and we were working remotely during COVID. And so I was like, Oh, well, why wouldn't I be able to go back to work full time? Um, it was a union position, so I couldn't work part time. And I made it 30 days exactly before Patrick walked into our home office to find me with my headset on. I mean, my work pulled up the baby in my arm with a bottle, like propped up with my chin crying, like literally just having a breakdown. And I just looked at him. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do it all. I can't. The house is a disaster. Like I'm not sleeping. I can't get my work done. Um, And then it, you know, has just kind of transformed. And then I found out I was pregnant again really quickly with Luke. Um, And, you know, the two under two, not just two under two, but like Irish twins basically threw us all for a loop. And so it's just (laughs) been this journey of like trying to get back to feeling like myself and even knowing like what is feeling like myself now, like because my body looks different. My brain feels different. <laughs> like my house is messy all the time. Um, I only get to shower every few days. Like <laughs> my husband's on night shift and I have two small kids and I'm like, stop making noise. You're going to wake your dad up. You know, um, what even is myself and who am I now? And what do I value enough to make a priority? Mm-hmm. Did you feel almost a sense of frustration or maybe embarrassment communicating to your partner. I think that's one of the hardest things that we have trouble with as women of admitting. First off, every man is going to say, oh, well, it's women admitting that they're wrong. I don't think that's number one. I think it's us as women facing the fact that we cannot do it all. But I feel like there's that that almost sense of guilt with us of, I don't want to say I can't do it all because I feel like I should be able to, why am I not able to do this? So Mm -hmm. did you kind of struggle with communicating with your partner of like, Hey, this is, I mean, sometimes I feel like you said it takes a breakdown for us to be like, I'm done. I'm checking out and I can't do this. So was that also a struggle to kind of communicate of, I have too much on my plate and now what do I do? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was like, why can't I do this? Like, what is wrong with me that I can't do this? And I also want to be very clear that Patrick has never in any way made me feel that way. That's me putting that on myself, you know, or my, you know, I scroll through someone's Mm -hmm. Instagram and then I'm like, well, they can do it like it. Well, because she pays somebody to come clean her house once a week. Like, that's why she does that, you know, but you're not seeing that part. Um, And so, you know, like, God, what I wouldn't give for somebody to come clean my house and do my laundry for me. I would love that. (laughs) my house would look so much better. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, uh, it it is really hard for me to communicate when I need help. Um, And I am the kind of person who, Mm -hmm. even when I'm angry, like it's really hard for me to say that. Um, And I kind of bottle it up and then I'll just like explode. And that's like, you know, a shadow side of my personality that I have been working on a lot in, you know, with my therapist. And I think I just started taking uh, a few weeks ago, I started taking Zoloft. So, 
you know, I'm hopeful that that will help kind of mitigate a little bit more of the underlying, um, you know, stressors that are there from my own brain <laughs> so that the external stressors maybe don't feel so mm-hmm. heavy. Um, but it was, Patrick would be like, you, you're not telling me like, you're not like, I'm more than happy to help you, but like, you don't even tell me. And I'd be like, well, I have this mental load. You know, that's the thing on social media with moms right now, which is, it's accurate, but it's also, I think being kind of used as a weapon for a lot of women We're like mental load, mental load, mental load. And, and I was like, I don't even know how to tell you like some of the things that I'm keeping track of. Like I don't. And so what I did one day was I just started writing down, like as things came to mind, like, oh, I need to do this. I would write it all down. Oh, I need to make Liam's appointment for his shots or, oh, I need to, you know, call CenturyLink because our internet is down again, or I need to, you know, call and handle this thing about a mortgage or whatever, all that stuff that I do because I'm home throughout the day to do that. Um, I started writing it down and was like, look at this list, like, you know, and it wasn't his fault that he didn't know, like it's, it can't hold information that he doesn't have against him. Um, but it did breed a lot of resentment in me. That's how my anger shows up. And that's a big thing in Enneagram ones as well is like we're in, you know, the Enneagram types are separated into um, triads. So you have the anger, the fear, and then the heart triad or head, heart, and gut um, triads. And so I'm, I'm a one, which is in the anger triad. And my anger shows up in resentment. Um, because I, I do hold myself to the standard of why can't I do this? Like, why can't I achieve this area of perfection that I want and I don't communicate it. And then Patrick's like, what in the world? Like, I don't have any idea where this is coming from because I don't tell him. And then I had all this resentment building up in me and I would just like, and then everything he did, I was like, you left your fucking shirt on the floor again. And he was like, oh my god like I just woke up give me a second right like and that's how it was like it was really bad on my end you know where I was like oh I see you left your stupid coffee cup out again he was like I just finished I I literally just finished it 20 minutes ago Lauren like what is going on and I was not in a good space because I just Mm -hmm. part of that I think was because I didn't have the ability to communicate what was wrong because postpartum is just so like you're like what is what of these symptoms are temporary and what is my new reality like you don't know for months after you have a baby like what is going on with your body it feels different everything is different you it's like you you trip over your feet because your hips and your your you know your feet and your knees they all feel different your stomach's all squishy um things hurt that didn't used to hurt you know and it does take, like they estimate now, it takes up to 18 months for all the relaxing to leave your body. Like, I'm not even there yet. <laughs> um, and so there's just so much going on postpartum. You're like, I don't even know how to tell you what's wrong because I don't have the words for this experience. And so, um, yeah, I really do think like my inability to communicate both because of the shame messaging that, you know, I kind of put on myself where like, if I'm not perfect, then I'm a failure and that makes me a bad person. But also because how do you describe something you've never been through before? I think we're raised as women to be 
a mix. I think it's the frustrating part. We're, we're raised as this mixture of be old fashioned and, you know, take care of your partner and be the woman of the household. And, you know, I was raised very much, you know, do your laundry, put your laundry away, make sure your kitchen is clean, make sure your house is always presentable for anyone stopping by at any time. But then we have this other sense of expectations in society of, you know, you don't have to be perfect. Your home doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it's okay if your child is like on a live of some platform and is cursing with all these people watching. Um, It's okay for you to have breakdowns and have that just moment where you just feel like you're losing yourself. You're losing your mind. You're losing control of what your normal used to be versus what your normal is now. And I think that's so crucial with women on social media and we're coming out more and more and more to state, you know, what you see in a post or a story, you're not seeing everything that's happening in the background. You're not seeing the chaos that took us to get to that point. No one's life is perfect. And I think it's more of accounts like yours of coming on and saying, you know, Hey, I'm taking this medication. I'm trying, this isn't working for me, or maybe this will work for me. And it's showing the vulnerability that we're all kind of the same. It's just, we need to actually speak up and feel that it's okay not to be okay. Sometimes, even if you're a mom or a new spouse, um, or you're just setting, you're hitting that reset button for the rest of your life. Cause like you said, you're going through something that you've never had to handle or deal with before. Yeah. Yeah. And Patrick and I also have a lot of external stressors with, you know, family and whatever else. So, um, you know, there, there's just been a lot going on. And I finally just got to a point where I was like, I can't do that. Like, I need help. Like, something has to change. And it was so interesting because I am a social worker. Like, I'm getting my master's in social work now with the intent to go into, um, you know, service and mental health services for law enforcement, first responders and military and their families. And I still had so much like, oh, I failed because I need therapy, like come up for me and it caught me off guard. But I think it really does go to show like how deeply rooted those stigmas and those expectations can be that you sometimes aren't even unaware that you are holding that in your, in your mind and in your heart. And it's been very interesting for me to unpack that. I'm like, if a client was sitting in front of me, like there's no way I'd ever like, I, and I don't believe that about them that, you know, them needing to go to therapy is a failure on their part. But why do I hold that belief about myself? Like that's ridiculous. Um, and I do think that social media has contributed mm-hmm. to, I mean, we've always had this image of perfection, right? It used to be keeping up with the Joneses and who's you know, fence was the whitest and whose lawn was the greenest in the neighborhood and who had the cleanest car. That's where keeping up with the Joneses, that phrase comes from, right? So there has always been this element of competition and whatever. And I think that that's pretty normal in human nature. We've just never had a look inside somebody else's house and somebody else's life until now, until social media. Um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, then we had for a while, I'm sure you remember like 2016 Fitzbo era on Instagram, you know, where everybody was into fitness and bodybuilding and competing and macros and blah, blah, blah. And then there was this pushback from that, that, uh, you know, came the balance movement where like everything in balance, you know, and body positivity, which are all, all of those things are like none of them in and of themselves are bad, right? But anything in any extreme form is bad. Even if it's a good thing by itself, in the extreme, it's still bad. And so I think what we tend to do 
especially on social media is go to one extreme or the other where like we got so sick of these manicured feeds and these manicured you know curated posts that we went the opposite direction and we were like making up shit for vulnerability sake and I, and I was very clear about that when I started talking about my eating disorder recovery journey I was like I'm not going to keep myself in the throes of this just so I can have content to make about this like my goal is to get to a point where my eating disorder is not on the forefront of my mind and I don't think to post about it and what I'm working through because I'm healed enough that it's not on the forefront of my mind. Um, and so it's been very interesting to like just watch that all play out. And I just decided probably a couple years ago, it really did take me like 20 some odd years to decide like, you know what? I know I'm not for everybody. Like, I just know that. I've always known that about myself. And you can follow me if you want. Don't follow me if you don't want. I'm not going to be offended either way. Just, you know, here's my life. And this is what it looks like. And I'm really inconsistent about posting because I'm actually living life. And <laughs> I got kids to wrangle and they're crazy. And, um, and I really do, like, I just strive to be somebody who sure, yeah, I'm going to tell you about my favorite shirt that I'm wearing or like the makeup I like to wear or whatever lashes I have on. Sure. Yeah. But also like, I want to bring something positive to your feed and then by extension, your life. Um, and if that's admitting that my kitchen looks like an absolute disaster most days, all right, fine. I'll do that. Like, whatever. <laughs> You're going to judge me anyway, even if I don't do it. So <laughs> Well, I'm doing this episode for listeners that may just feel like, okay, I'm seeing all of these moms on my social media. Everybody has it together. And why can I just not get this out of my brain of why am I not functioning correctly? Why do I feel like a failure? Why do I feel like I don't even know who I am at the end of the day? I feel that as moms, especially, it's something that as women, we get so invested in the life and the family and the kids that just remember it's okay to be selfish even for five minutes a day and just remember who you are because you are a person outside of that mom title and it's okay to have those breakdowns in those moments where you're like okay, I feel like I'm really losing my mind like I can't pile anything else on my to-do list I'm one person and this is just not possible it's okay to admit that oh for sure for sure I'm like all about admitting it so I I will put um, your information for your Instagram. So listeners, I highly suggest go follow her, watch her content. Like you said, it's sporadic. So it's something where we have to remind each other we're living our lives. It's okay to live your life outside of a screen. So definitely go give her a follow, watch her life. And remember, don't ever compare your life to somebody else's. There's only one of you for a reason. At the end of the day, do the best that you can. And whatever doesn't get done today, push it to tomorrow. It's okay. It's okay to just take care of yourself mm -hmm. five minutes a day. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time right here with me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And don't forget to head over and rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform to bring others along this journey with us for next week's episode. And subscribe on the Little Bit of Life YouTube channel for upcoming videos and live action to come. Have you joined in on all of my adventures? Be sure not to miss a moment on Instagram at littlecute1az. Let's share these stories to more that need to be in the know. I will catch you on the next episode. And remember, be good to others and be good to you.